if you could do me a favor, you know, if you ain't that busy, if you could throw us down a couple blessings, you know, like one that I don't mess up being a manager. Uh, we're just three cats and never played a single snap. Here to tell you how to draft when the ship and run it back. The stats ain't tell the story, this is the story of the stats. You can stick it to your friends, what's more glorious than that? We're victorious in rap, bringing wrath to our rivals. We're here to shun the stats, laugh, and lead you all the titles. Stick to the path and follow us disciples. The only sin is math, and all you need is the Bible. It's the fantasy. Bible. It's the fantasy. Bible. It's the fantasy. Bible is the fantasy. Bible. Hello, faithful listeners, and welcome to the third episode of the Fantasy Bible. I'm Nate Binder here with Dane Vega. How are you, Dane? I'm doing great, man. It's going to be our best episode yet. Next week, I'll probably say the same thing. <laughs> Absolutely, I'm 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 pretty hyped for this one. We uh, you know we tooled with it all week to try and deliver something special to you guys today we're going to be getting into the seven deadly sins of fantasy football seven uh we're going to go off the classic sins you know lust go i mean greed envy wrath sloth pride but we're going to get into you know what what falls under those categories what classic mistakes are you going to make during or maybe before your season that will lead you astray and lead you to you know the pits of fantasy damnation Um, we're here to lead you not into temptation but into fantasy glory absolutely uh dan why don't you tell the good people out there about our social media channels so we are up and running we're on facebook we're on twitter and we're on instagram currently we got some content rolling out and we are at fantasy bible pod on all of those so you can find us follow us like us share us at fantasy bible pod on all of those come join us we're gonna have some fun keep it lighthearted. get you engaged thanks for joining us today and if you listen to our last episode apologies for the uh misplaced edit or misedited edit rather uh where we tried to plug our social in post didn't work out well but now you know it now you can like now you can follow now you can engage uh i'm i'm, I'm learning to become a very talented graphic designer so, you know, tune in and see some amazing art that I'm putting together. Thanks to the good people over at Canva. Um, all right, then uh, before we get into news, I believe we have our first review to respond to and a question. We do. So it was quite exciting to see we had a review. We have it on Apple Podcast and it comes from Alex B. Hey, fellas, thanks for the insight and perspective. I think I will end up going more RB heavy early on. My hesitation, however, is RB's injury prone. I play in a weird full PPR league that lets you play a quarterback as a flex. Does that change your thoughts at all about draft order? Look forward to hearing the next five commandments. So this was before we did our last episode and followed up with those five commandments. But I think we can address this question here. And also, thanks for the review, Alex B. Shout out, Alex B. And real quick, just to say, if anyone else wants to drop us a a review, we can't incentivize that at this point. But we will respond to any questions that you put out there. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Uh, so, Dan, what are, what are your thoughts on this guy's uh, question? Uh, so he plays in a full PPR league and lets you play quarterback as flex, also known as a super flex league. Does that change your thoughts at all about draft order? It absolutely does. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. And hopefully he realizes that. 
a bit. I'm sure he does. He's drafting quarterbacks early, I hope. And you'll see a lot of quarterbacks going in first round in redraft leagues that are super flex. You'll see, you know, Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson are gone in the first round. You'll see probably this year, Josh Allen going in late first, like these top running backs and top quarterbacks are going to be gone. And all, well, he did say full PPR. So you're going to have Devonte Adams, people who are catching passes like that going in the first round. It does drastically, uh, vastly change your draft order. So I'd say go do some mock drafts, make sure you set the settings to a super flex league and that will help fine tune your draft skills to what you'll be experiencing in your league. Absolutely. And you know, a lot of our advice is based on the league settings that we believe in. We are typically a half league. I believe the PPR just, it, it's too heavily weighted in the uh, receiver's favor. And then, you know, stuff like where you get funny with the stats, like ultimately we're trying to reflect somewhat the game of football here. And uh, you don't often see two quarterbacks out on the field at the same time. So, well, you know, lots of us. Not often. Not often. (laughs) Not often. Uh, Maybe in Philadelphia, maybe in uh, New Orleans, but those are, those are two of the only uh, places I can think of in recent memory. The Ravens did it. They had RG3. No, they had RG3. Well, Lamar Jackson, a quarterback, of course, and they had RG3, a Heisman winner in the backfield. And also, uh, oh man, what's his name? running back uh um you know also Dobbins. no 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 oh, oh, oh melvin uh, ingram. ingram ingram yeah yeah yeah. so they had three heisman winners on the field at the same time that was pretty cool so they did have two running or two quarterbacks on the field point is don't expect that it's not happening but um, yes quarterbacks are much highly coveted in a super flex league i was uh i was thinking of like in lamar jackson's first year when flacco was still on the team they would occasionally bring Lamar on to you know right. like a zone read or something and they would split Flacco out wide and it's just like yeah, yeah he's running around anybody. <laughs> yeah. the, the Eagles did the exact same thing with Carson Wentz and Jalen Hurts this year and I'm like Carson Wentz is not running around although he did get some nasty blocks in um, <laughs> so uh yeah although one thing that um that reviewer did say um is that you know he he's hesitant because of injury heavy in the RB category. And, you know, that's kind of our point in, in doubling it down on RB early is it's one of the most valuable positions because of the, the scarcity halfway through the season. And so you want to double dip and make sure you can get yourself a stud early on um, at the point where, you know, it's mostly, uh, you know, backups or not mostly, but you, you understand what's available. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Our point. Yeah. RB is going to run dry by the midway to end of the season and you don't want to be stuck hunting waiver wire for the third string running back. That's not fun. So thanks for bringing that up, Alex B. And thanks for your review. Hopefully we have more to come and we'll answer your questions. Yes. Thanks again, Alex. All right, Dane, what's going on in the world of football today? Let's hear some news. All right. So it's not the most dense docket of news, but there is a marquee trade that happened. It involves Sam Darnold. He was traded to the Carolina Panthers for a second, fourth, and sixth round draft pick. I believe they only get the sixth round this year and the second and fourth come next year. Uh, Unconfirmed, but I've heard rumors that the second round pick is a conditional that could end up a third round pick if Sam Darnold contracts mono again. (laughs) That's funny. I thought you were being serious for a second because, um, (laughs) you know, you and I were kind of going back and forth on this trade and I had a couple of reactions to it. One, I feel like it's a massive overpay by the Panthers. Um, just like, you know, even if Sam Darnold turns out to be their 
franchise quarterback for the next 10 years. Um, it seemed like the reported value for him was a third round pick and they gave up a second and fourth and a six. And so if it ended up being conditional, I wouldn't be surprised. Um, maybe there was another bidder for them, although I heard that they were the only bidder. Um, I also heard they were the only bidder, yeah. So, you know, just based on what we were hearing of that third round pick value and a quarterback who around the league is not regarded well. Like, you know, fans think pretty highly of, of Sam Darnold because he has that first round pedigree. You know, he's kind of, you know, an unoffensive player. Um, he's shown like flashes here and there, but around the league, he's regarded as a massive bust dude that is just like a, a busted quarterback. Um, so to get that, you know, three draft picks and a pretty high draft pick at that is, you know, good, good on J- Joe Douglas, the GM over there in New York. Um, but, you know, initially while I hated it for the Panthers, the more I thought about it, like, there's the Adam Gase situation. Who who knows like what could really? He's 23 years old, you know. Yeah, he's very young for a third-year quarterback, and he's rejoining his good old pal Robbie Anderson. They had some good chemistry, although it was fleeting in that Adam Gase offense. But yeah, I think there's upside here. There will be inconsistency. I don't think anyone is, you know, disillusioned to the fact that Sam Darnold will be all of a sudden a stud, but. I think it's interesting. It could help their their offensive weapons, but uh, well, and it frees the Panthers up to take you know a Kyle Pitts or an offensive weapon yes. in the draft, and then you know who really knows? Like that could be an exciting little. I mean, Joe Brady is a whiz, so I you know don't um, Sam Darnold could very well be an upgrade over Teddy Bridgewater, uh, you know, in, in from a fantasy perspective. Absolutely, from a fantasy perspective, yeah, he's going to be. A more explosive tool for that offense rather than you know steady teddy bridgewater he, he's always a consistent game manager he's smart with the football but he doesn't give you those 40 yard touchdown passes or or more sam Darnold has an arm that can do that and i think he's going to be wanting to prove himself here a bit and you know sling it out to dj Moore or robbie anderson up on a fly and we will have some great weeks from those receivers it just i don't know yet how consistent that will be we'll see for sure. Um, and also, you know, uh, Sam Darnold, if he throws a lot of picks, you know, obviously you don't want to start Sam Darnold, but picks are good for fan, uh, offensive fantasy production. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, Sam Darnold has somewhat of a interception plague on his career in college and the NFL. And yeah, that is good for the offense. Just think about Jameis Winston when he was on the Bucks, He threw 30 touchdowns, 30 interceptions in the same year, but he supported Mike Evans and Chris Godwin as wide receiver ones that year. So. Yeah, put, puts him down, got to score more. Um, exactly. Put the pressure on himself. <laughs> yep. All right. So uh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to delay that news item so much, but that is the big ticket, I believe, this week. Absolutely it is. And a side article about that is that the Panthers have said that Teddy Bridgewater can shop around and test the quarterback market. You know, a token of good faith. He's been good for them. Uh, so to me... It solidifies Sam Darnold will be the starter for this year, probably next year as well. If they pick up that fifth option, we'll hear news about that soon. Um, But that's all I had to say about Sam Darnold. Hopefully he does well. We'll see. Uh, Giovanni Bernard, he's the backup running back for the Bengals. He was released this week. seems like the Bengals will be bringing in a different complimentary running back to Joe Mixon, considering he missed about 10 games or so this year. And I think his fantasy value will depend heavily on what kind of running back they bring in, whether they spend up in the draft or they sign a veteran. 
we'll know more in the coming weeks what they plan to do with their backfield. But uh, is it Joe? This is my year for sure, Mixon. Uh, we'll see. He's always got that hype around him. He's talented, but he just can't seem to stay on the field. But when he's on it, he's explosive. So I'm curious to see what happens there. I guarantee you that the Bengals spend a fourth or higher on a running back. Um, Joe Mixon has been disappointing for them, especially in his lack of durability. And, uh, you know, they're, they're going to want to give, especially if they, you know, take Sewell like they should in, in round should. one um, or instead of Chase, then then they're going to get reach for weapons elsewhere. And they need, uh, you know, they're, I'm sure they're, I haven't really looked at the running back class aside from Najee Harris and uh, Travis Etienne, but I'm sure there are some speedy guys down there on the bracket that could complement Joe Mixon. Um, and it's easy to find bruisers as well. Um, anywhere. Yeah. And then other than that, in the news, we just have rumors that Larry Fitzgerald might retire. That's been happening the past probably three years. You know, we'll let you know. But if he does retire, Christian Kirk is probably going to be on every sleeper list this year, just as the guy who's going to fill in in the slot for Larry. Christian Kirk does better in the slot historically. We'll touch more as that happens. But I wanted to mention that keep probably break in the next four weeks or so if that happens. And then last note on news, the absolute dumpster fire that is the Houston Houston Texans organization. Still at a shit show. Gotta wait and see how the cards fall there before we cast any judgment, but it doesn't seem to be getting better at the moment. Um, I'm sure that's probably the one of the top news articles you've read if you follow NFL news at all. We just figured we'd mention it. It's developing. Uh, yeah. We won't say too much, but... Uh, the one thing I will say is that if things go the way they are they are seeming um you know everything is a wait and see situation but i bet the texans like in terms of fantasy ownership are the least owned team you know stint like players stock team overall next year i would agree i would you know peg them as a 30th to 32nd offense like they're going to be at the very bottom and you know best wishes to texan fans but you're in the in the shit right now hopefully you come out the other side a better team we'll see yeah there's no i mean what are they they don't have the assets to i think oh tyra taylor's there right tyra taylor is on the death chart okay so they have a starter yeah Yeah. they have a starter um well i I heard something that like oh houston might be complicit in the whole thing and like jesus that's quite the conspiracy theory you hope nothing like that is true man yeah um Anyway, uh, Fitz, did you have, have you ever had Fitz on a fantasy team? I feel like you had a card. I, I have. He's he's always like a depth piece I'm willing to throw on my bench because he's consistent but very low ceiling. Um, I'm not interested in, in him at all this fantasy year upcoming. Oh, but, of course uh, not, yeah. No, but I mean, obviously he's going to be a Hall greats. of Famer. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Fantastic receiver. He still has a catch rate of like 80% or more. Like he's sure-handed. He knows how to block very well. That's why he's been in the league as long as he has. Yeah, he's a stud. Uh, I want to say he had 1,000 yards like three years ago. Like not that long ago, he had a 1,000-yard season. Yeah, it could be three or four years ago, yeah. Um, I, I'm curious to pull that up real quick because I remember like looking back. Yeah, in 2017, he had a thousand, yeah. 1,100 yards. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, he's not far removed from his glory, but he has you know taken a lesser role in the offense with especially DeAndre Hopkins being there. Um I'd be interested to see if they add a receiver because there's talk rumors around Arizona adding a receiver. We'll see. 
They, yeah, all, they're they're another all-in on offense type team. Yeah, yeah, they're making off-season moves to win now. So we'll see. I think they will add another piece, but that's all I got for the news. Greetings, potential podcast advertiser. If you're looking to connect with a mostly male demographic ranging from ages 18 to 45, look no further than the Fantasy Bible Podcast. Let our sonorous tones take your product to the next level. If you're interested in getting in on the ground floor of the future of fantasy podcasting, contact us at fantasybiblepod at gmail.com. You will not regret it. All right. So do we, do we want to get into our, our show today? Absolutely. Seven Deadly Sins. I'm excited. Let's do it. All right. Seven Deadly Sins of Fantasy Football. Number one, lust. Yes. Ooh la la. We need more emphasis on that. Lust. (laughs) Here's the thing about lust. Don't let meaningless content lure you into temptation. Um, Squat videos. We've all seen players squat 600 pounds on Instagram. Um, Jimmy G. A beautiful man it's 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 easy to get you know caught up in making a decision between two players that aren't going to help you out that much you take the better looking player because we're a simple shallow being but the more more relevant point there is 40 times squad videos stuff like that pay attention to production don't pay attention to traits you're not drafting a real team you're drafting a fantasy football team Dan, any thoughts there? It's very easy to get trapped into that. I mean, you see a shirtless picture of DK Metcalf and you're like, this dude is an NFL stud and you're right, but don't let that fool you beyond what he really is for fantasy. Uh, Same goes for Derrick Henry. He had so many 45s on that squat bar and it was impressive, man. That bar was crooked. He was fucking working that thing, but you know, Obviously, these are good players. We're talking yeah, we're, about. we're naming bad examples. <laughs> we are naming bad examples. Let me tell you, I think Jalen Hurts broke the squat broke the squat record at uh, Al, uh, Oklahoma. You know, okay. that, that's an example. I mean, I think forty times are, are probably more. Like John Ross, you know, like there are years people right. took flyers on John Ross because it's like, you know, dude run, ran a four two or whatever. Uh, Rashad Perriman for years, although he actually did have a, a run of good games with the Bucks uh, two years ago. But yeah, that's that's uh, uh, you know that kind of stuff. Just don't don't be lured by traits. Pay attention to production. And uh, the second aspect of this you know sinful behavior is that don't you know don't let anyone in your life convince you that sex and having sex is more important than fantasy. Um, you'll have plenty of opportunities in your life to have sex. It's, 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 you know, people like to have sex, but what's difficult is winning fantasy football championships. And, you know, the rarer an experience it is, the more value it has, in, in my opinion. Um, for professional athletes don't have sex on game days, and neither should you. <laughs> It'll, it'll fuck with your lineup. It'll, you'll sleep in, you'll pillow talk. Maybe you'll get 
talk, get talked into brunch. Next thing you know, you're ordering a second round of mimosas and it's 105 and you have started like an injured player. <laughs> oh no. Yeah. That's all, that's all I'm saying is that, you know, like if you're going to take this thing serious, treat it like an athlete treats his game. Even if you need to stay in a separate house during the fantasy season, separate bedrooms, if you can't yeah. afford it, if those are all reasonable decisions for you to be making. Yeah. If you want to lock down an Airbnb every Sunday for the football season, it might behoove you because you are not going to make any rash decisions or miss an opportunity. I like this rule a lot. I like it too. Um, I'm, I'm going to inform, you know, the vast array of sexual partners that I, uh, <laughs> that, I, that I have at the moment that this is going to be the situation going into next season. Sunday's off limits, babe. All right. <laughs> Hell yeah. We, uh, I know we lost some people already. We probably shouldn't have started with less. Some of these actually will be a little bit more practical. I think uh, they're still here, bro. I think they're just getting hot and hot and ready, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Hit us with the next one. All right, so we've got gluttony with the next one. So don't imbibe before you make crucial decisions. And what that means, don't drink and draft. Don't drink and trade. Don't drink and set your lineup. Basically, have a clear mind when you're making these decisions that will affect your team for the coming weeks you don't want to be the guy who's shown up to the draft and you're already crushing natty lights you're eight in by the time you're drafting you're not going to draft very well it's just truth man like have fun do you know do what you want to do have a good time fantasy football is ultimately about fun but you don't want your decisions to be cloudy you want to have a clear judgment and a set game plan for what you need to win your week and same goes for game days. You know, all you wake and bake losers out there, you know, <laughs> losers. <laughs> don't start don't start your morning with a foggy head because like the worst part about waking up on a Sunday morning is the gap of time between consciousness and football. And that amount of time has lost me more fantasy games than anything I can count because that's where tinkering happens. And tinkering is is the death tinkering will kill you so don't do anything that's going to encourage you to tinker more um and you know i the past two years we've had uh live drafts for one of our leagues or in person rather like draft party situations and so i've been you know like drinking having a good time um two of the worst drafts i've uh, you know down the board like i mean you know i plan everyone plans to who they're going to take with their first two picks have a million options and then it you know it's a crapshoot from there you just gotta take you know the best player available and take who falls to you and when you're having a good time you're not focused so you know even if you are going to do an in-person draft maybe do it you know at a library where or like you know where you can like rent out like a little meeting room or something like that and just you know no alcohol in the premise very business like or you know be the guy that uh is like <laughs> giving everyone else drinks but staying entirely sober that's always a good strategy as well it's all fair and love and war they say i remember uh two years ago it was like a good time it was like we had this big old draft party and everyone's imbibing and then like at a certain point during the draft i look over and uh, two of our league members have like squirreled away into the corner with like a laptop and like several sheets of paper and stuff <laughs> like that. It's like, okay, these guys have reached a point where like they're done having fun and they're starting to take things seriously. And, and that's, that's the point that you got to get to as well. 
Yeah, I agree. That's an important rule. Be smart. Be smart. Okay, moving on. Greed. Greed. The sin <laughs> of greed. Greed, don't hoard assets. Um, you know, we, we talked a little bit about this last week about some leagues that don't trade. You can become so attached to the players on your lineup that you end up shooting in your foot by like limiting your versatility, limiting your ability to acquire other players. Um, you know, if you're a stud collector, which there are people out there that are willing to, you know, it's like a classic trade. Like you give up two, like an RB two and a wide receiver two to get like a low end RB one or something like that. And you build your lineup by trading away depth to get studs, at least know, acknowledge the risk of what you're doing. And cause I, I've played that game as well. And I always seem to do it in a way that like, like last year, I, I think like I got like Joe Mixon and OBJ in by trading like a large swath of players. And so I picked two of like the wrong studs and it, and it destroyed my season. So if you're going to get like greedy for those top 12 positions and, and, and you know, bug your league mates to trade for them, um, at least acknowledge that you could be potentially shooting yourself in the foot from a depth perspective. Yeah, absolutely. I don't have much to add to that. You spoke well about it. So we'll move to the next deadly sin, sloth. I think this is probably something every league deals with. Do your research, set your lineup, make your waiver claims, and don't give up halfway. I think there's a good group of people in every league that, you know, they start maybe two and six, and they are just not involved anymore. They stop making waiver claims, even though they have top priority, depending on your format, and you know, they might not even care about their lineup anymore. They just set it and forget it. And that's not the way to play fantasy football. We kick those people out. Yes. And we would inform you that you should at least be pressuring them to stay active. And if they are not, they're completely hands off. Probably look for a new person in your league. We want this to be fun and competitive. Ultimately, it's a competitive game. Football's a competitive sport. We want to keep that integrity in the game and you don't want to be that guy that just gives up. Come on. Like you probably have a few good players on your roster. You can make some moves, make some savvy waiver waiver wire claims, and you can get right back in it. It's happened before. We've had people who start, yeah, like two and five, and then they end up in the playoffs. Like you don't know what's going to happen. You can make a good waiver wire claim. Somebody gets injured and that week you get first priority and you bag a stud. So just please don't give up. We want this to be fun for everyone. And if you give up, it won't be fun for the rest of your league. Some people just, and it, it's it's like one of those things where we're probably speaking into the ether here because people that find obscure fantasy podcasts aren't the people that are <laughs> have a lazy approach to fantasy football. But um, there are people that just don't understand the value of waiver priority and will go 0-3 and think like, oh, I'm, I'm in a huge hole compared to everyone else. This isn't going to happen. And they miss out on their chance to hold that number. Like, like God, every year there is a waiver stud. Usually there's multiple, Um, you know, so just um, the other, my only other thing to add to this is a routine can really help. Um, Like anything else, if you build a habit of like, you know, uh, this is when you make your waiver claims. This is when you clean up after the waivers have been processed. This is when you set your lineup, that kind of stuff. This is what, like, this is when you do your research. Like the primer comes out on Thursdays, I believe. I read the primer every week and that's like on Thursdays and that's my big prep thing. Like you don't want to oversaturate yourself or anything like that. So um, that's my only thing to add to that. 
Yeah, and then one more caveat to sloth is don't wait until the week of your draft to start paying attention to fantasy football. I mean, I'm a procrastinator at heart, but I tried that last year. I tried to binge all the fantasy knowledge I could. Sorry, two years ago. Tried to binge all the fantasy knowledge I could, and I ended up with a very poor draft, and it did not suit me well. I ended up, I think, bottom four. And I learned from that. I The next year, I did a lot of research. I was able to pick up James Robinson before the season started. You know, it, it pays off. And you don't want to be that guy that's just walking in thinking, oh, Rob Gronkowski's going to be the tight end one on the year. Like, sure, he's a great talent, but be informed. Make yourself a part of the fantasy football community. Follow us. Listen to us more. You know, we're, we're here to help you. You know, you, you just reminded me of something. Uh, if we can, you know, revert back to greed for a second. We have a guy in our league who you, you just remind me of. Shout out Cole. Cole plays fantasy. I feel like, very, like he has a little different style. Like, I don't think he pays as much attention, but I think he, like, uses his gut in, in, in almost, like, game theory in a much – in a pretty effective way. Um, but, like, he did this thing two years ago where he drafted three tight ends, like, three of, like – I remember that. Yeah, yeah. And, like, all those tight ends became something, but he held on to them. Yeah. And, like, like, he didn't move them at their – like, it was, like, Waller, Hawkinson – and Mark Andrews were like yes. the three guys that he drafted. And at some point for all those guys during a point of the season, you could have sold high and not Andrews because Andrews was great the whole t- season, but those other two guys, they were yeah. a little up and down, especially Hawkinson. And he didn't move any of them. And then he just like, well, I drafted these guys. I invested the draft capital and they just like weighed down his roster. And then moving into sloth, um, he was also like, a very easy playoff candidate, if I remember correctly, this that year. All he did needed to do was uh, sub in like a kicker or something like that. Like his kicker was on by or something like yeah. that. Or I can't, yeah. it was something simple like that to win a game to get into the playoffs. And he just like hadn't realized that it was like a situation where everybody was at like six and eight or something like that to get that fourth spot. And, and he just missed out on, like, an easy playoff lock because of that. Now, who knows what he would have done in the playoffs um, sliding in that late. But just the, like, you know, a real-life example, not to throw any shade to Cole. Cole, I hope you're listening. We love you, Cole. Um, Shout out, Cole. But, you know, that that's just a real-life example. Um, and we'll have a few of those for this next one as well. Wrath. Well, this will be a good one. This is easily my favorite um, because oh, yeah. I feel like this – is easily the biggest sin that people commit. Um, there's so many ways, and the easiest is is tilting. Um, you know, whether it's in the draft, whether guys that you want go, but more commonly, if you go down 30 points on a Thursday, like don't let that affect your lineup. Don't like start making like high upside plays. Continue with the lineup that you set before because. Now you're just overthinking things. Now you're you're tilting. You're you're getting angry. You're responding to some Thursday night boom. That could have happened on Sunday. Thursday is just another day of the week. And time in fantasy football is not this linear thing. It's week to week. It all happens at the same time. So don't let it affect you like it's a battle and half your soldiers just got shot or something like that <laughs> because it, it, it's completely arbitrary. Um, Dane, what do you think? Oh, I agree entirely. There are those moments you'll have 
somebody with Alvin Kamara on a Thursday and he's going to have that three touchdown week and you're in a hole and you, you look at your projected total and you're 25 points behind your opponent and you start to feel desperate, but that's not how you should be playing fantasy football because it's not going to make your decisions more informed. You're just going to be reacting to emotion and you're not thinking from a place of strategy at that point. You're thinking from a place of, oh, I got to be this genius who picks this waiver wire receiver who's going to magically pop off this week. Like that's not going to ultimately help you in the long run. Like if you take those dart throws, you're going to hit them maybe one or two at times out of 10. It's not going to be reliable. You don't want to be playing like that. Absolutely. This next, next aspect of wrath is one that I am incredibly guilty of. <laughs> Let's hear it. Don't hold grudges against players. If a player burns you, it is usually situational. It does not mean they are a bad pick the next year. Usually I'll pick a guy and he will let me down and I will never draft that player again. And 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 he will go on to do great things, you know. And I, I can't think of well, I can think of some examples. Like I'm never gonna draft Odell Beckham again or one I don't want him on my team. Yeah. He was my first thought. <laughs> yeah. And and like Chances are he is still a fantastic receiver. I don't think he's like in the best situation on the Browns, just given the way they kind of run that offense. It's not like a high volume offense. It's more mm-hmm. of an like efficiency and run based situation. But uh, yeah, you know, just don't hold grudges against players. It's as simple as that. Yeah, you said it well. And uh, don't rage trap players. That's that's the next one. Uh, I. I don't really fall victim to this because I I'm I more tend to like hold on to these guys too long, um, but it, it is definitely common that like all right I'm gonna put this guy out there and this is his last week. Oh, I can give I can give a good, good example of what I dropped just I drafted and dropped Justin Jefferson after the first few weeks last year. Oof. Yeah, because I was like I I need to like and it was like honestly a microcosm of a lot of these sins where I had dropped a couple. I was trying to find like better players. I was just like making moves. I was tilting, just trying to make trades happen and stuff like that. I didn't have room for the guy on my team. He had done nothing the first three weeks. There was a lot of like talk. This guy can't play on the outside. This guy's slow. He's not an NFL receiver. He's got the drops. His first three weeks in the league were not bad. And then, you know, he obviously, we know the season that Justin Jefferson had, um, from that point onward. So, you know, th- like that's not to say hang on to guys too long, but don't let when you go to drop a player, think about why am I dropping this guy? And if emotion has anything to do with it, consider hanging on to him. Yeah, exactly. I, I think the only player I rage dropped last year, and I will stand by this <laughs> against our rule, was Emmanuel Sanders. He, I mentioned him, I think, in the first episode. He had all the opportunity that week with injuries on the Saints, and he did nothing. He burned me that week. I lost that week because he put up two points in fantasy. I bet and you he I, got like 11 points the next week. Well, I don't know for sure. I don't think he did very <laughs> well at all, actually. But <laughs> but that's what I like. Be calculated and think about what you're doing besides just saying, oh, F this player, you know, he sucks. He did nothing for me this week. Just we, we see it more from, like, our league. Like, some of the guys that get dropped, like, like I feel like, okay, this is, like, a bad example because he was a good drop. But Le'Veon Bell last year got, like, mm-hmm. dropped. And I remember seeing that and being like, 
hang on to this guy for a few yeah. more weeks and see what happens, you know? Um, and I, it was the right decision. And, and sometimes it is the right decision, but um, you know, I don't, all right. Just don't let wrath be a factor in that decision. That's what we're saying. And the last aspect of wrath, probably my favorite settled disputes in your league, like adults. Oh yeah. Um, Could you maybe give a real life example Nathan? Yeah, if you guys want to spare a little time for story time, you know, I uh I I started our main fantasy league, uh the league that at least Dane and I's main fantasy league uh six, seven years ago, I believe. Yeah. Um and, and I tell you a lot of pride in it. I try to produce original content, I try to be captivating. Um, you know, we we have like buy-in from other members, we have a logo, we, we have we you know, we're excited about it. We, you know, it's a it's a big hobby of ours. Um, so that is to say, like, I'm not fucking a, a, around, like, just <laughs> like doing shit to piss people off, you know, like, like, you know, so we had this guy, the situation was this, I had my playoff spot locked up, we had a, a, a team that was one of those teams that I feel like are in the league every year where they are scoring so many points, but the luck is just terrible. Um, I think like our fifth scoring team last year was uh, our friend Max and he was like the last place team. Like he just had terrible matchup luck and it was similar with this guy. Um, so he needed to win to get in. And I was playing someone who also needed to win to get in that, you know, technically is a longtime friend of mine versus this guy that I didn't know as well. That was like kind of a first year addition to our league. And I played Jimmy Garoppolo instead of Alex Smith that week because Alex Smith had scored like two points the week before and Jimmy Garoppolo had scored like 14 and I didn't need to win. And I was like, well, Jimmy Garoppolo might be the better play. This was when he had just gotten traded into the Niners and it was kind of, there was excitement around Jimmy Garoppolo. I know that's a weird phrase to say, it but is. at one point in the league, there was excitement around Jimmy Garoppolo. Yeah. Jimmy Garoppolo shot the bed that week. <laughs> <laughs> Alex Smith went on to score like 36 points. It was like this highest scoring week. I lost. Max won. We both made the playoffs. This other guy lost and didn't, or maybe he won, but he like Max Konov won. Whatever happened, he didn't make the playoffs. And he went ballistic. He called me out on this giant post, accusing me of, you know, tanking to get a, uh, his my friend in or tanking to get a better matchup which by the way is totally viable, um, but isn't, it wasn't something that I did. And then he got his friend involved and they both threw a giant hissy fit, told me they would, you know, you know, beat the shit out of me next time they saw me <laughs> and then just like quit the league. And we had to like auto set their lineups for the, for the next few weeks. Fortunately, it wasn't that many weeks, but that kind of shit is just like cancer. Yeah. Yeah. What are you doing? Like ultimately this is a game and we, like, we all take it seriously, but we all also are like, you know, be a good person. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like that's the thing is like, you know, to project that highly, you know, that like, that we're not all just like having fun here is, is, is obnoxious. And, uh, and also at the time we were a $20 buy-in. So like, come on. Yeah, you're not you're not losing your lunch money. Like you're gonna be fine. Like yeah, yeah. Don't don't be like that guy. And against better judgment, I will say <laughs> this: the same guy we're talking about. I did join a league of his. Oh, I love that. <laughs> I love that we both have a story about this guy. I did join a league that he was commissioning last year, this last season, 
And the friend who invited me, who's also in our main league, he said, hey, this guy's got a league. Do you want to join? He needs one more. I said, is this going to be a controversy-laden league? <laughs> and he said, no, bro, no way. And <laughs> wouldn't you know it, by I think it was week nine, there was some light banter, and we had a group chat going. There was some light banter. There was a joke that was made. It was taken the wrong way, and this guy would not back down. He just rage quit the league, and then two of his friends were apparently close friends. They backed this guy, and they also dropped the league. So now halfway through the season, we've got a nine-team league with auto <laughs> <laughs> with auto set lineups. Oh, my God. It was abysmal, dude. I... I never talk to the guy again. I never will. Don't just avoid that. Please be a good sport. Yeah. And in case you're out there thinking like Dane and I are just talking trash and like, you know, no. you don't, you don't care about story time. We're guilty of it. We vetoed a trade last year. That was probably, we were too quick to veto. Um, it was DK Metcalf and Sa- and uh, Jonathan Taylor for yes. Saquon Barkley at the time though. The player that was trading Z- DK Metcalf had already traded for DK Metcalf from the same guy, so yes. that that played into it. But ultimately, that trade, well, even with like even like even if Saquon hadn't got injured, that probably would have shaken out to be a, a fair trade with you know the trajectory of both those players' seasons. Yeah, it, it was a weird trade. Uh, I personally voted to not veto it. I am a big abstinent vetoer but there are times when you need to veto things and this kind of leads us into our next uh sin envy so don't veto trades because you're envious of other team success that's not exactly what happened here but make sure your veto rules are defined before the season starts make sure everyone's on board and is clear what they are and then follow them so if you want to have a no veto league just be aware that there could be some backroom deals going on it's not not likely. It doesn't happen in most leagues, but uh, at least have those parameters set so you can deal with them, you know, unbiased. You don't, like we said, we want to keep this competitive and keep the integrity of the game of fantasy football. So, yeah, how how we're going to adapt uh, our league next year for any of you curious, like maybe a good way to do this is we had a uh, majority plus one veto rule, and I'm thinking of moving that to majority plus two um, or even plus three. So just like that the vast majority of the league has to think this is wrong. Um, and if they don't, you know, just make it, make it more difficult to reach a veto, but don't make it impossible. I think is, is, is a good solution there. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. Somewhere close to a two thirds majority is probably ideal because you, you want everyone to be on board and yeah, you don't want controversy. Like, like we're talking about wrath. You don't want these people creating disputes that don't need to be there. So Set your rules appropriately. You know the people you're in the league with, hopefully, and you hopefully can work it out like gentlemen. Yeah, and just, you know, like a classic example of how, like, you know, um, sins come back around to bite you in the ass. The trade that we vetoed, the, the guy with JT and DK Metcalf won the league. Um, so, you know, sometimes inaction is better than action. Yeah, and also for Envy, we've got don't covet other players too heavily or you will overpay. So this is kind of like a grass is always greener mindset. You see, maybe you lost to a DK Metcalf who had his two touchdown, 150-yard week, you know, like his outlier week. And you're thinking, oh, man, if he was on my roster, I'd never lose a single game. So you're willing to sell the farm for this guy. Like, you don't, 
you need to be calculated. Don't just look at outliers and think, oh, if I had that player, I'll sell the other two really good players I have to get them. Just be aware that you might be selling too much. And there's resources out there. There's people who put out trade value charts, whether it's on Reddit or Fantasy Pros or other outlets. Those are good resources to consult. Don't take them as religion. We are your only religion, if that's not clear by now. Um, <laughs> but yeah, do your research. Be, be informed. Know what you're getting into there. Don't look at the the new new car in the driveway and say, oh man, I'm going to mortgage my house for that again. Yeah, I have a bad habit of uh, you know liking players on my team that are fun to watch and Points are points, you know, whether it's Tyreek Hill doing it in an explosive way or Michael Thomas doing it in a consistent uh, volume-based way, points are points. Um, so that that's just a, another little aspect of that there. Right. Um, so pride, our final sin of the day. Pride is kind of similar to greed. Uh, you know, don't overvalue your assets, although greed is more about hoarding assets or trying to, you know, uh, create a monopoly on a certain position type. Um, to, to create an imbalance and, and get trades while it might seem like a good strategy to the risks are just too great there. Pride is more of like what we kind of referenced earlier, overvaluing your own assets and kind of the opposite of envy. Um, but also don't not letting your NFL fandom dictate your fantasy evaluations. I think I'm probably one of the most guilty in, in the league of this um, because I read more about these players, the Eagles players, than anyone else in the league. So, like, I think I have the upper edge, and it, it fools me into thinking, like, oh, yeah, Dallas Goddard's really going to break out, where someone with a more objective view might realize that that's just not going to happen, you know. Um, so that that's, that's kind of the other aspect of that. And where I fail similarly is I don't draft Cowboys. And, uh, you know, <laughs> You know, that's, I'm going to stick to that. I'm going to ignore this. Then. I don't want to watch fucking Cowboys, like fuck the Cowboys. But at the same, hey man, <laughs> I'll be drafting all those Cowboys weapons. They're going to be, I mean, Dak Prescott's back. I don't know, man. I'm yeah. Like, it's not good fantasy advice. It's not I'll, good fantasy <laughs> advice. Yeah. I'll take that advantage that you've given me there. Thank you for that. Yeah. I'm just like, I'm just not going to, I don't want to watch those players. Don't be me. Don't, don't do that. You know, because ultimately this is about fun and that's how I justify that. But winning is very important. So, you know, that's as far as that goes. Yeah. It's ultimately about winning. Nobody likes losing. For sure. So those are our seven sins. We hope you guys enjoyed those. Um, next week we're going to be getting into, we're going to do something a little fun. Uh, we're pretty speculative, but we're going to be, doing a mock draft, uh, first round of mock draft for all 32 teams. We're going to talk about, you know, uh, landing spots for players based on need for those teams, fantasy impact based on where those rookies land, dynasty impact based on those rookies' outlook. Um, you know, obviously some of these players are going to be def defensive and one player can only have so much impact on a defense, but we'll try to cover that the best we can and we'll get more in-depth into those, uh, you know, offensive rookies like Kyle Pitts, Jamar Chase as the guys that could really have an impact in this next fantasy season and beyond. Yeah, it's going to be fun. We're going to be running it down round one, round two. It's going to be pretty cool. We're going to be talking about these rookies. Maybe if you haven't been following the offseason rookie hype as much 
as other people, this could be a good introduction to you to the names we'll talk about that you might want to be looking out in your next fantasy draft. And if you're dynasty folks, the few of you that are probably listening, it's going to be more relevant to you guys. But as the weeks go on and things unfold, we'll know a lot more about where these rookies will land and how they will impact fantasy community. Yeah, and obviously this is all speculative. And in three weeks, we'll actually know the landing spots and we'll do a right. better breakdown there. But it's the off-season. Content's got to come from somewhere. And uh, this gives us a good chance to just talk about these rookies in a more, uh, you know, holistic setting. All right, Dane, uh, as we wrap up today, do you have any uh, personal life updates to share? How, how, how are things going there? Uh, things are good. I have no no complaints. I'm getting my vaccine tomorrow. So I'm excited for that. Um I'm excited to get to some football games this year, like I said last week. Uh, yeah, nothing major going on in my life. Just day in, day out, punching the clock, making some money. What about you? Same, same. Um, my dog just learned place. It's a pretty good one. Ah, that's a good one. Yeah. Uh, I got my vaccine on Monday. Um, no side effects from the first shot, so that's that's pretty exciting. Um, I'm starting to see some you know, potential concerts come up. Um, which is like a, a hilarious, not hilarious, but it's just like kind of mind blowing that we'll actually be able to do that again. It is. Um, Brockhampton is dropping an album uh, probably as we speak. If you're listening to this on the Friday that we drop it, I'm excited for that. Check out the Brockhampton album if you're a fan of uh, hip hop. Um, Pusha T's coming out with one pretty soon. I heard he's done recording. He had an Instagram live interview and he's saying he's done recording, bro. It's coming probably April. That'll be incredibly exciting. It seems like it's been forever since we got a Pusha T album. I know it hasn't been that long since Daytona, but that was only seven tracks. I also heard that Freddie Gibbs is coming out with an album soon. He refers to it as his best produced album yet, which is pretty surprising since Mad Lip has, and The Alchemist have done uh, quite a few of his past few. Um, This isn't a hip hop podcast, so we'll move on. (laughs) But uh, Dan, you want to plug those socials one more time? Yeah, so follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We are at Fantasy Bible Pod. Like us, follow us. We'll be putting out content. We'll be putting out some sneak peek preview videos of what we look like. You Maybe you don't know what we look like. Maybe you want to know. We're quite handsome. Come check us out. Come check us out. Fantasy Bible Pod on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. All right, guys, wherever you are, have a wonderful day. <laughs>